Try IBM Cloud for free. With an IBM Cloud account, get access to more than 40 always free products with no time limit and a $200 credit. Explore our free tier and create your free account today at ibm.biz slash cloud free. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Okay, we're live, but we gotta let it breathe just for a few moments while we bring in the whole family here. Make sure we got our Facebook crew with us tonight, and we're good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented as always by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I am your host, Chad Jensen, with me as always, my partner in crime. You know him, you love him, my fellow football priest. He is Zach. Kelberman, Zach, it was interesting last night, of course, you know, yesterday's really when the whole Jerry Judy Twitter thing story really blew up, even though the first tweet came the night after the, the night of, I should say the chiefs loss, but it really kind of the the eye of the storm was centered on Wednesday. Last night, DeMar Dotson, right tackle of the Denver Broncos did a a nice little uh, appearance on Broncos country tonight on KOA radio. And he claims Zach, this is the best locker room that he's ever been in recency bias, a guy just trying to kind of keep it copacetic. What's your take on that? Well, I mean, he's known nothing but Tampa Bay and historically Chad, that franchise has been in shambles. It's been a lowly basement dwelling joke of a franchise, kind of like how the national establishment, the national media is trying to paint the Broncos. Also, I think you're right in, in what you say about recency because he knows he was cut by the Bucks, he was discarded by them, and he was picked up by the Broncos. So he's going to have a little more natural investment or natural loyalty toward Denver because they gave him a shot, and now he's a starting right tackle uh, for an NFL team again. It's it's a good look for Fangio, and it kind of dispels some of the narratives out there. But I don't think one person's opinion, and him speaking for himself and his situation, kind of overshadows all else that we're seeing, including Jerry Judy's comments. I just want to this this video keeps trying to follow us around as I navigate here. But let me let me read the exact quote. He says, um, "When you first get here, you don't know what to think." This is Demar Dotson quote. When you first get here, you don't know what to think because you don't really know anybody yet. So you have to take that time to really get adjusted. And then once I got here for a few weeks, I started being around the guys in the locker room and realized what type of guys they are. And it's been a tremendous locker room. It's been a blessing to me. I know I said on the on the radio not too long ago that this has been the best locker room I've been in, and I really mean it. It's been something like almost reviving my career, coming to a new place and playing around these guys, a lot of young guys. Man, it's been a great experience, close quote. And I thought it was really interesting, Zach, he was asked also by Albright um, and uh, oh geez, I just I can't Edwards. Edwards. Um, what what enticed him to sign with the Broncos and you could tell he's like the gears were cranking. He's like, do I just spit truth or do I spin? He goes, I got to tell you, it was the it was the contract, my boys. <laughs> it's like yeah, no no kidding. But anyway, right. he's on a he's on a one year two point seven. He can make upwards of two point seven. That's his cap number this year, but I agree with you. It's more of a, it's more of a, you know, what have you done for me lately type of thing. And the Broncos are the last team to have done for him lately. 
Exactly. And he says it right there. He goes, they gave me a chance to revive my career when he was discarded by Tampa Bay. And when you're cut by the Bucks, Chad, and they're doing everything in their power to, to protect Tom Brady, that statue back there, doesn't say a lot about you and your NFL prospects. The Broncos picked him off off the scrap heap. And not just that, it took him a while to get into the starting lineup. But once he has, he has not relinquished that, nor have the Broncos taken that away from him. I'm not surprised him saying this. To me, though, it's a little bit of aloe on what's become third-degree burns in the Broncos locker room. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think this this was my take in the very story here at the end after, you know, what does it all mean, trying to kind of sum it up. And I think really it just boils down to Jerry Judy's a young, hotshot rookie first-round pick. Things weren't going the way he wants them to go. You know, squeaky wheel gets the grease type of thing. And and so he squat, you know, he squeaked, he squawked, whatever you want to say. <laughs> My guess here is that he's gonna get the grease. I, I'm guessing against the Panthers on Sunday, he's gonna he's gonna have himself a day. Now it might not be, you know, 150 yards receiving and eight receptions and a touchdown, but he's gonna get some balls coming his way. And and what we know about Jerry Judy is when the targets come, more often than not, so does the production. I don't necessarily see this. I'll be frank, Zach. I don't necessarily see this as some kind of evidence of internal rot or discord within the Broncos locker room. I think this is kind of a not a not a love triangle. How do you invert a love triangle? A hate triangle, a disrespect triangle between Judy, Locke, and the yeah. OC. And I don't think it really goes beyond that. I, I'm with you. I think it's an isolated incident. I, I think it's isolated to the unhappiness of Jerry Judy because no one else in the locker room has come out and, and said the same thing as he's saying. No one else has come out and pointed the finger at the coaching staff. The closest we came was Fangio talking about the passing game and him saying that we haven't gotten around to as many play calls. In terms of Jerry Judy, though, I normally agree, and I wrote this in my story yesterday, he knows that closed mouths don't get fed. And Pat Shermer had the nerve to go up there today on the podium for a Zoom conference and said, we're going to continue to get Jerry Judy the ball. Continue. The guy has had five targets in two weeks. He had one catch on Sunday. So that is a disconnect. I think if it proved anything, he wasn't taking a shot at Locke. He wasn't taking a shot at Fangio, his fellow teammates. His criticism and his ire is pointed directly at Pat Shermer. And you know what? Well-deserved. I want to take a quick look here since you brought it up. Let's let's take a quick eyeball at Jerry's game log this year. And credit to him, he's been banged up a couple of times, but he hasn't missed a game. He's he's been there, he's been available for his team. Let's take a quick look here. So his peak up to this point came in weeks 8 and 9. In week 8 against the Chargers, the furious comeback, right? Drew Locke overcomes a 21-point deficit and it's it's triumph. 10 targets, four uh, receptions, 73 yards. Solid day at the office. The next day is so far his career, or the next game, his career high. 14 targets against the Falcons. Caught half of them for 125 and a touchdown. And then from there, Zach, it starts getting a little, it just starts trickling, right? Eight targets, eight targets. And then, of course, New Orleans, just throw that one out the window. And then four targets against the Chiefs. So, you know, the production, it's it's trailing off. I can understand why he wants to be more featured in the offense. And, that's why I think, you know, there are things schematically. Like, obviously, it's on Drew Locks. It's front of brain now for Drew. I need to get my first rounds. It's like Jerry's not just another receiver, right? Like, when Jerry goes to Twitter and talks, people pay attention because he's your first-round pick. So, Drew, get in the ball. 
And I think he will start kind of having more of a look for him, this, you know, this the squeaky wheel getting the grease. And I think that starts against the Panthers. And as we'll look at later on in tonight's show, there's going to be some opportunities there for, for Judy and uh, to eat in week 14. I just don't understand, though, Chad. You can argue that Locke isn't finding Judy on his second or third or fourth read, but how about scheming it so Jerry Judy is the first read? How about scheming it where Jerry Judy gets open? And I have another number for you. He's had five targets over his last uh, two games. Nick Vanette has made four receptions over his last three games and five targets. When you're number 15 overall draft pick, you're a hot shot, polished wide receiver who you were so excited about getting and you passed on many others to take, has as many catches and as much production as Nick Vanette, a blocking tight end. There is something wrong with the system, Chad. When you look around the NFL, you have Henry Ruggs making a game-changing touchdown. You have Justin Jefferson over 1,000 yards. You have C.D. Lamb always involved in the offense. Why doesn't the why don't the Broncos do the same thing for Jerry Judy? Why don't they feature their rookie wide receiver? That the difference, as I wrote today in my article, the tie goes to coaching. If it's Locke and Shermer, the the more the blame falls to me, more at Pat Shermer's feet. And you know, I was gonna say one last thing, and then we gotta grab matters of business and get to the mailbag here. But I was gonna say is you know what those other rookie first rounders have in common is an established quarterback, a veteran guy that has some experience. But then you look at Dallas. Right. You can't say that. Ever since Dak went down, it's just been a crap show in terms of the ups and downs that a CD Lamb has had to kind of weather. And Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, I mean, is he that good, Chad? Is he elite? I mean, when Drew Locke is on, is he not – I'm, I'm going to get so, so much crap for this. Is he not comparable, though, to Kirk Cousins? He's not exactly Aaron Rodgers' cousins, and yet Jefferson is still performing week in and week out. Gary Kubiak's out there in Minnesota, though. Again, it all comes down to coaching. Those teams also, including Dallas with Kellen Moore, they have better offensive minds at the controls than the Broncos do. All right, guys, we have so much to get to. It's mile-high mailbag time, the time of the week where Zach and I take a peek inside the mailbag because we are your football priests, and each and every week we are here to offer you the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions, and we can't wait to get to them. But first... We got to handle some quick matters of business. And Zach, I just realized this right before uh, it came time to, to transition to matters of business. I don't know if you have the read pulled up, but I can do it if you don't, because I don't. We all right, I'll hurry and I'll hurry and knock this out. We love sportsbetting.com so much. We gotta let me count the ways. I mean, as I mentioned on last night's show, the proliferation of fantasy sports tied into betting. I mean, you got the fan duels and the draft kings. They've all gotten into digital betting into that realm over the last couple of years as well. And it's just become a thing. But sports betting is where you want to hang your hat in terms of helping you to, you know, make these games a little bit more interesting if you're of a mind to do that. But here's why. It's the no-brainer for sports fans. Sharp odds, low juice, right? You got their they have their own in-house bookmakers. That means they're not pulling third-party odds from somebody else. These are coming from their own experts. Hassle-free bonuses that you can roll over after one time as opposed to other sites out there, competitors, some of which I've named already tonight, that'll make you have to bet it five to 30 times before you can roll it over or access it or cash it out. And then the other key is anytime you're dealing with financial matters, if the rubber meets the road and you need to talk someone, uh, talk to someone, you want to actually be able to reach and talk to someone. With sportsbetting.com, you get 24-7 live customer support, and it's always a real person in the United States. But here's the kicker and where everyone needs to pay close attention. At sportsbetting.com right now, you can get a 100% risk-free week of sports betting all the way up to 1000 bucks. And it's not just one bet. 
but it's all of your bets. And it works like this. You go into the week, you make your picks, you make your bets. If at the end of the week, uh, your losses exceed your winnings, sportsbetting.com will cover them 100% of the difference up to a thousand bucks and you can roll it over after one time. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle. That is sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle and capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to a thousand dollars. All right. Let me uh, quickly here, gang, just go through a quick shout out to follow the podcast on Twitter at huddle up pod, the main account at mile high huddle. My partner, Zach Kelberman, as you can see on the screen, at Kelberman NFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. And a gentle reminder, gang, to head on over to the merch store, huddleuppod.com, and get your swag on. Tis the season, right? Trying to come up with a good gift for that MHHer in your family, that hardcore Broncos fan. We humbly draw your attention to huddleuppod.com. You can get a, a football priest hat. There's T-shirts. There's mugs. There's face masks, as you can see on the screen here which has been one of the top sellers this year for obvious reasons. And also like this, 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 this mug, as you can see, the Huddle Up podcast, you can put in your office or you can put it in your man cave or whatever, a little memento and also a drinking utensil receptacle, whatever you want to call it. So huddleuppod.com, get your swag on. It's another way to support what we're doing here at MHH. And also, you know, if you're on Facebook, you want to support what we're doing here, Go to the page, facebook.com slash milehighhuddle. That's where we share our, all our contents, where we do our streams, everything. You'll see a big blue button that says become a supporter. Zach and I have huge plans for our Facebook supporters only on twenty uh, in 2021. And by only, I mean we're not going to stop what we're doing on the streams and the, and the articles. That's not changing, but we're going to go above and beyond and start creating unique content that we're going to unroll or, or unveil and roll out, I should say, in 2021 specifically for our Facebook supporters. So if that's something you want to take a look at, Zach and I appreciate it. And if you're not in a position to do those things, it's all good. We're just happy to have you with us. And in the stream or listening after the fact as a pod, we appreciate each and every one of you. We do ask that you do these three things because it's within the, the realm and the power of each one of you. Number one, subscribe. Number two, like this video, especially if you're with us live or watching it after the fact on YouTube or, or Facebook. And then the last thing, third, is the litmus test. If we're doing a good job for you, share this out there on your social media, help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie and tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Time to fire up the grill. Time to go to Total Wine and find the perfect flavor to pair with those burgers. Ooh, I love their beer cooler. <laughs> you love their prices even more. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. That was rough, gang. But listen up. Coors Heart Seltzer is not your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability is a brand inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. Never before has it been so easy, so simple, and yet so enjoyable to make a difference in the world. Coors Heart Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Whatever you're doing, by simply cracking open a can of Coors Heart Seltzer, you're volunteering. Our waterways, gang, are at risk. 
80% of America's rivers are drying up, but through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Heart Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Each 12-pack of Coors Heart Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and communities that depend on them. The results? 1 billion gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the United States, including the Colorado River, and that's just year one. You get four refreshing flavors, one cool cause, enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in, gang. Coors Hard Seltzer is 4.5% ABV and only 90 calories, Zach, another pro. Yeah, Chad, you mentioned it before, the second week in a row, another tough loss by the Broncos, but another opportunity for me for the second week in a row to enjoy a nice Coors Hard Seltzer. Last week it was mango, this week it was black cherry. I love them all though, Chad. It really makes a losing effort in the NFL that much more palatable. So join the world's easiest volunteer program, gang, by simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer. Broncos country, you can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers all on your own. It's that simple. Visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find a Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. All right, John, let's see what we got here in um, my, my stream. I'm sitting at 604, so I'm going to grab this question. Whoop, there it is. Throw it back up there. Sorry, John, I, I canceled it out. From Steve Baumgartner, vote moves 80 on Twitter. Everyone knows Steven, been helping us out as well in the chat as a, as a moderator. Good to see you, and we appreciate you, my friend. He says, Zach, hey, guys, been working the past couple of nights. Do you guys see us re-signing Dotson to be our swing tackle? Denver Broncos for life, state of being, baby. Great question. I kind of uh, grasped at this a little bit today when I was writing up that article. I think the Broncos would be remiss if the cost of to not do it, if the cost of re-signing Dotson to like say a two-year deal where the first year is the only guaranteed portion. And if it's something like five to six million bucks total value over two years, he's 35 now. He just turned 35. I think that would be a deal you take, Zach, as insurance uh, in case Juwan James, knock on wood, let's face it, you don't know on a year-to-year basis what you're going to get from him. Yeah, my knuckles are sore from knocking on that wood. And you know what, Chad? Two years, six million, five million per. That's a no-brainer for Denver to make. This guy has been, uh, for the most part, considering the right tackles of the past, a revelation in pass blocking and run blocking. Not perfect, but oh my God, so much better than Wilkinson, so much better than anything they've had at that spot in many years. I would certainly want to bring him back. You can't make him come back. Obviously, now his value is a little rehabbed. He might want to see what else is out there. Might want to score a bigger deal. Elway might lowball him. You never really know, but I would at least definitely float the offer. He likes Denver. He's comfortable, and he's been really good at right tackle. For what it's worth, let me give you guys some of the metrics here on DeMar Dotson. Of course, he didn't open the season as the starter at right tackle. That was Elijah Wilkinson, much to Zach and my chagrin and everyone else. But he took over somewhere toward the end of that first quarter of the season. And here's where he's at. He's given up up to this point in the season. Only 11 QB pressures all season long, which honestly is, as you said, compared to right tackles of, of, of the past, it's Eli phenomenal. gave up and a half, so it's much oh, better. 11 QB pressures, and here's the other key metric, Zach. No sacks. This cat has not relinquished a single sack all year. 
His overall grade, his cumulative grade from Pro Football Focus is 70.8. Now, that kind of puts him as a an above – it's not like elite. If you, it, The elite tackles in the league are in the high 80s to low 90s. And he's kind of at 70.8, a slightly above average tackle. So if you can go get him, you know, re-signed if you're John Elway for – even if you're paying him $3 million and you're, 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 it's a two-year $6 million deal and you're guaranteeing the, the first year – I think that's a deal you take just because you don't know what Juwan James is going to do next year. And look at that three or even five year, uh, five million dollars per year. Compare that to Juwan James, what he's signing, Chad, where he's getting on the $54 million deal he signed. And here's another stat for you guys. It might blow your guys' minds. Drew Locke has not been sacked in two straight games. Previously, Locke took at least one sack in every game since week one. Uh, Garrett Bowles, a tremendous turnaround. He has a lot to do with it. Uh, they've gotten better play out of Reisner, better play out of Cushionberry. Glasgow's still up and down. But that right tackle spot, solidifying that, keeping Locke upright, or at least him not having to run for his life on every play, has made such a big difference. I would for sure see if Dotson wants to come back for next season. I saw a question here real quick, John, from Travis about the trustees. Hey, should we get new trustees? No one has control over that, my dog, except the trustees. Like, that's it. Those three people, they control unless a judge were to come in. And But that's not going to happen anytime in the near future. So the trustees are the trustees, and that is not about to change anytime in the near future. Uh, Darab, 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 sorry if I mispronounced your name, my friend. Thank you for being with us. And, yeah, uh, shout out and a mile-high salute to Darian Stewart, who officially announced today his retirement from the league 10 years in the league as a former college free agent, uh, free agent, undrafted rookie guy from South Carolina, went to the, to the Rams first and then the Ravens, which is where he popped up on the radar of the Broncos. Broncos signed him to one of the great, you know, value contracts of the John Elway era. Him and I would say him and pot roast Terrence Knighton are probably the two, you know, mercenary low value contracts that ended up just out kicking their coverage and paying huge dividends for John Elway. You know, Big big time player on the Super Bowl Fifty defense, part of the one of the founding members of the No Fly Zone, and then of course he makes it to a Pro Bowl in 2016, gets that next contract and extension from the Broncos, and you know it didn't end up working out well long term for him in Denver, Zach. But for a guy that didn't even get drafted, this is you know, I mean credit to a guy like Darian Stewart for carving himself out a career. Good career, and he won a title, but boy, did he go downhill fast, Chad, yeah. after that second contract. And he was such a liability in coverage. What will always stand out to me, and this is not <laughs> anything super against Darian Stewart, the person, but 2017 against the Raiders, uh, Johnny Holton literally smoked him in coverage. I will never forget. He was about 10 yards behind. He just uh, he fell off fast. But you know what? As a run stuffer in the box, he was a good safety. And for a while with TJ Ward, that was some back end. Yep, he really did, and I think the, the the overall change in scheme, and then once Akib Talib left, and you know he held on for dear life and made a go of it in 2018. But yeah, it, Vic Fangio came in, and Elway's like, "Hey, we got Darian Stewart coming in on, you know, I think it was it might have been the last year of his deal." And, and Fangio's like, "No dice, no, uh, no. we're going with Kareem Jackson." This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Attention, Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP.
Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. Uh, Mike Evans, bona fide superstar in our community. Uh, love you, my friend. Happy holidays to you. Appreciate your support and Thank you, your, your profile pick. Still one of our faves. Who are the leaders, asks Mike, on offense when things get tough? Who has the most influence on others? Dalton Reisner. Dalton Reisner and Drew. Those are the, the I think those are the, and, and Phil. Yeah. Phil Lindsay. Those, that's the, the main leadership trio. But that is also, Zach, kind of being bolstered by Graham Glasgow. They all look up to him because he's a veteran. He's been average this year. I mean, as a prize for free agent acquisition, he's kind of been an average right guard banged up a lot so far this year. But what's your answer for Mike? Yeah, I think I'm with you there. Uh, Philip Lindsay, for sure. Reisner, uh, he's become a leader. And Locke, say what you want about him on the field, but he represents his guys in the locker room. He holds himself accountable. He says all the right things. So he's a leader on offense, as he should be. I was going to throw out there Garrett Bowles now that he's justified his contract or earned a new contract. I think he's become – he's a tenured member of a young offense, Chad. He's been there uh, since 2017. I was going to throw out Tim Patrick, but that's kind of a, a micro-level uh, point of leadership. They have some younger players, but aside from Cortland Sutton, who's obviously out for the year, they don't really have that veteran, the Derek Wolf of the offense, to step up uh, when the going gets tough. But I think part of it is Elway talked about this at the end of last season, how Drew came in and kind of sparked everybody and and kind of brought everyone out of the doldrums with another losing season, and they started putting some wins on the board, and he had that swagger that everyone kind of gravitated towards. But he's still a young guy. So, like, in the huddle, he's the guy that kind of has to jump on it. You know, if someone's not towing the, the line or messed up a read or messed up a route or something, he's got to be the guy that – you know, vocalizes that, but there are others that are very involved in that. And especially Philip and Reisner Reisner is for only a second year player, Zach, surprisingly uh, not assertive, but not in a way where everyone's like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, get out of here. Who are you? Like as a rookie, he established himself as a leader and some guys, you know, anyone who's been in a competitive situation, uh, anyone who's been in the military, anyone who's been, uh, even in your in our day jobs and stuff, some sometimes those sincere, genuine article leaders just they just exist. They're like a force of nature, and Reisner is one of those guys. I, I loved his quote uh, the other day where he says, "I don't give a damn what anybody says. I care about what Mike Munchak says." And he says we should have won that game against Kansas City. And you know, for a second year guy playing on a bad team, and he's been kind of inconsistent this year. I just love the confidence he speaks with. It, it's never disingenuous. It's never insincere. He's confident in himself. He loves Denver. He loves the Broncos. And I always want that guy in my team, Chad. Uh, Kenneth Booker, one of our superstars. Much love to you, my friend. I'm, for what it's worth, I'm still trying to track down that mug. It's the, the tracking number I noticed, by the way, this quick aside since I'm in real time here with an opportunity to talk to Kenneth, uh, is there's something skewampus with it. So I'm trying to talk to the provider to figure out what's going on with that. So I'll let you know as soon as I know something, my friend. But he says, who thinks we should sign A.J. Bouye on the cheap and draft Caleb Farley? Hey, I think order of the day in 2021. You guys heard what I said last night. I still haven't. I, I still think you give 2021. You give Drew 2021, and if you do give Drew 2021, then first round opens up and you can go get a corner. So if you can, yes, absolutely, Farley. As far as signing Bouye on the cheap, 
he's under contract next year and his cap number, right. Zach, his salary is 13 million. Now, before I serve this over to you real quick, Zach, I want to give this some additional context because Vic Fangio kind of had a, another somewhat Freudian slip. We were going to talk about this last night, but we ended up getting caught up and, and kind of forgot to grab it. But here's what he said. He was asked to assess Bouye's play this season and kind of his, does he have, and his standing with the team and do they love him as much as they loved him when they first acquired him via trade? Here's what Fangio said, quote, he did have a choppy season. I think the injuries played a part in it. I think he got hurt in the first half of, of the first game and then missed five or six games, came back, got hurt during that game, missed the following game. I thought he was the last couple of games. He was starting to play better. We'll just have to see. But it was a rough season for him with the injuries interrupting his availability in play. And now, Zach, having to deal with the PED yeah. suspension, close quote. Yeah, Fangio doesn't fault. I mean, based on what he's saying there, he doesn't fault Boye for getting injured, but I think he faults him for the PED suspension because he's hurting himself and he's hurting the Broncos. And it's, it's six. It's a six-game ban, Chad. It's not like one year or two. That's, that's you know, a, a, a fraction of the season, of almost uh, a third of the season. I can't do math tonight. In terms of Boye, he's been decent. He's been above average. He's been good, but I wouldn't say he's been great and certainly not worth what he's getting to make next year, which is $13 million. No more guarantees left on his contract. The Broncos can clear all of that. I think it's 13.365, something like that, against the salary cap. No dead money by cutting Boye. I would do it. The thing is, though, you do that and you have Bryce Callahan coming back, but he's proven now that foot is a problem. That foot is not going away. Whether it's the same injury or not, he has foot issues. Uh, who else do you have back there? Ojemudia is going to be a second-year player. Who are you going to rely on? Duke Dawson next year? You know, those Devontae Bosby, who you won't play? So I'm with you. If not a quarterback in the first round, which I don't think it will be, it's got to be a cornerback. Patrick Sertan, uh, the second, Caleb Farley, it's got to be someone, a blue chipper. Dude, it blows my mind. It makes me realize how old I am that there's a Patrick Sertan Jr. fixing to enter the NFL. <laughs> right. Because, dude, right. I, I'm, it seems like yesterday Patrick Sertan, the first <laughs> – was playing in the league, you know, so yeah. it makes me feel every every day of my soon-to-be 41. I was just reminded today, tomorrow is my birthday. I'll be 41 years old tomorrow. I know I don't look at, you know, unless I take the hat off and you see the the, the bald dome, you know, maybe I don't quite look 41. Uh, anyway, Shaq, Zach. We don't pod tomorrow night, so let me just say early happy birthday. Everyone in the comments, be sure to wish Shad a happy birthday right now. Appreciate it, my brother. Really do appreciate it. Um, George, though, kind of has a question that piggybacks off of the previous one there from Kenneth. What do you guys have for roster needs? He says, I've got right tackle, edge rusher, corner, and safety. You start, Zach. I just, you know, I get this a lot on Twitter. How is edge rusher a need? You guys happen to think that Von Miller is going to be gone next year? I think he's coming back. Whether he stays at his current salary or maybe even a pay cut, he's not going to be gone from Denver. They have Bradley Chubb coming back. He's playing really well this season. Malik Reed has been a fine. They can draft some edge uh, insurance in the middle rounds. That is not a first-round need for me, Chad, at all. My first-round needs, my top needs, are offensive line, cornerback, and quarterback. Not in that order. And you can throw in safety in there, but offensive line and corner, by far and away, the two biggest needs. I think the Broncos are pretty well, and thanks for the for the birthday wishes, gang. Um, I think the interior is pretty well set up for the future because you got Reisner year three next year. You've got Cushenberry year two. You've got, even if things don't pan out with Graham Glasgow, like let's say, you know, 2021 is kind of a year similar to this one. 
I'm not looking at the contract right this second, but I'm pretty sure after the first two years, the Broncos have some wiggle room if they want to get out of that deal. And then you got Natani Muti, the sixth rounder uh, drafted this year that you could, you know, have some real potential there if he stays healthy. Like he was a day early day two caliber guard in this past draft that, that fell to the sixth round because of his injury jacket. So I think inside, and you always want depth. I'm not trying to uh, poo-poo on the notion that O-line is, is a need because it is, but I'm looking at right tackle. Juwan James, who knows? Maybe next year, Zach, he returns and yeah. just balls out, doesn't miss a game, Doubt does it. it again the next year. And we forget about the fact that we had all this weird uh, availability issues with Juwan James, but you, you can't count on that. And no. Dotson, even if you do get him re-signed, he's a short-term fix. And right. Elijah Wilkinson is not a tackle, and he's going to be a free agent after this year. So, yeah, I would say to answer the question, assuming Drew is given 2021, I'm going to say top needs are corner. I'm going to say right tackle, off-ball linebacker yes. in that order. Micah Parsons would be great, wouldn't he? He's not probably not going to yes. fall at Denver, but he would be so dynamic in the Fangio defense. Muhammad, the MHH male model. Appreciate that super chat or super sticker, I should say. That is uh, interesting. Means a lot to us, my friend. Shout out to you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Ain't no place like a cowboy place. Ain't no time like a cowboy time. Ain't no way like the cowboy way. Have a cowboy kind of day. Try the new Big Sky Burger at Roy Rogers. It's Smithfield pulled pork, beer battered onion rings, American cheese, and spicy barbecue sauce on a Kaiser bun. Have a cowboy kind of day at a road in the way you're going wrong. DoorDash and Uber Eats available at participating restaurants. I think what flavor of these new Dunkin' Coconut Refreshers you get says a lot about you. Really? What's it say about me? Well, you got the refreshing golden peach because you're vibrant, fun, and positive. Oh, what about me? The bold purple pomegranate means you're vibrant, fun, and positive. I take it I got this delicious pink strawberry because I'm vibrant, fun, and positive. Yeah, it's a simple system, really. Share the shine. Enjoy a medium Dunkin' Coconut Refresher for $3. Order ahead plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer excludes classic Dunkin' Refreshers. What else we got here from Tom up there in Canada? The frozen tundra north of the 49th parallel. Much love to you, my friend. A true superstar in our community. Says, do you guys think Judy is a diva? No. I see him as a future nightmare. I don't think it matters who's at QB. You know, I think... I'm not going to go so far as to say every wide receiver is a diva, but wide receivers who are that have some draft uh, pedigree and some draft cachet or any wide receiver who, you know, makes a pro bowl or an all pro, you know, builds up a little cachet overall, they have it in them. And so Judy's going to be a guy like that, that, you know, he's going to be a squeaky wheel at times. I don't see it as any kind of a future nightmare to be frank with you. I think, the, the better Drew gets, uh, and even if it doesn't end up being Drew next year, the next quarterback, you know, they're, they're going to throw the ball to the guy that's open and the guy that makes plays. Next year, that's going to be Cortland Sutton, and it's going to be Jerry Judy. Tim Patrick is a restricted free agent this coming uh, season. You know, he's going to, after, after 2020, it's going to be interesting to see what the Broncos do with him. But I don't really see Judy as a problem. I see this as just a flash of immaturity. That unfortunately, yes. you know, went into the court of public opinion. And then he tweeted, I should say, retweeted something today that maybe we can take a look at that continued to just intensify the issue. 
I think you nailed it perfectly. When you're accomplished and you're speaking out and complaining, then you're a diva. But when you're not accomplished and you're speaking out, you're just a young kid and you're immature. And you know what? Jerry Judy is 21 years old. He's in his first season in the NFL, came from a big-time program where he was a big fish and he was a star power, and now he's whittled down to a, a forgotten man in this offense. It's all part of the frustration of being a receiver in the NFL and the natural growing pains, but he looks around the NFL too. And guys, it's a, it's a human nature problem. Any one of you would feel the same way he's feeling. You might be handling it differently, might not tweet about it, but you still be feeling what he's feeling. All these other receivers in his draft class, most of whom he probably thinks he's better than, are doing more. And they're all on the same level. They're all, they all miss an offseason. They all are in their first years. They all have their own issues, yet they're all producing and he's not. So that's why he's speaking out as well. It's just a young kid being a young kid. He's 21. Let me draw your attention to a retweet of Jerry's. I want to say it was today. Let me confirm that here. Uh, yeah, it was today. So I don't know who Snow, Snow Black is on Twitter, but Jerry retweeted this tweet from Snow Black that says, believe what you want. I ain't clearing any rumors. Now, this comes, what I hate about this, Zach, is this comes on the heels of the Broncos' entire Wednesday in terms of media availability, and then even trickled in today, into today, into Thursday with Shermer, that was dominated by Judy's antics on Twitter. He, at worst, he could have just stayed off Twitter. And if, okay, maybe you're not going to stay off Twitter. All right, then don't go retweeting things that only continue to confound the issue and exacerbate the issue. This is not helpful. This is just creating more drama for your team. And so my message to Judy is buck up, you know, be a pro. You don't your team doesn't need this. Are are you about Jerry Judy or are you about the Broncos? Well, Chad, you also have the Broncos condoning it. When Vic Fangio is saying, I have no problem with Jerry Judy, he's going to continue saying to himself, okay, I can get away with it. So that's where the leadership of Denver, either Vic Fangio or Pat Shermer, has to step in there and and bring him down in reality and be like, listen, you cannot do this. You cannot go about your business this way. We also don't know what he's referencing. I'm not going to fall down the rabbit hole trying to guess about rumors. That could be about anything. That could be a friend of his. That could be anyone about anything. I don't know what it's about. The Broncos have these people, though, in-house. They have social media managers and uh, coaches that go over them uh, with their social media practices. Obviously, he didn't get the message, but you can't hold every tweet against him when you have a player like Antonio Brown in Tampa Bay who is getting arrested every other week, yet he has a job. It's, It's kind of the nature of the position in this business. I don't know, man. You guys have heard me say it before. I'm not a believer in coincidence. And every once in a blue moon, sure, there a, a true, genuine coincidence occurs. But for the most part, it's Occam's razor, right? And the most likely explanation, the simplest explanation usually is <clears throat> the explanation. And in Judy's case, I think this is him saying, look, yeah, I'm, I'm still pissed and I'm going to continue to put pressure on everybody till I get what I want. And that is some, some targets. And look, who knows? Maybe Vangio will say this is unacceptable, bench him, and that's how he learns the lesson. I don't think so, based on, as you said, kind of the condoning, uh, burping the baby, it's going to be okay through the media. Like, you know, I want to see him uh, be fr- – if he's if he's not getting the catches he wants, I want him to be frustrated. Like, you know, that tells me he cares and all that stuff. Fine and dandy, you know, nice talking points, I guess, but it sends the wrong message and allows him to think it's okay to then – after it, the storm has kind of started to pass – and then boom, right back into the into the you know public scrutiny, another tweet. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those seasons. You know, in, in 2020, Chad, this is uh, not even among the top 10 worst things that happened to the Broncos, unfortunately. Uh, Lawrence Rivera jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. Really appreciate that support. He says, I, let's get a drink. Happy B-Day. Really appreciate that. I really do, my friend. Um, I want to grab this here. Richie, uh, Spicy Mike says, if we release Juwan James, what is the cap hit? I'd be all in on his release if the hit isn't crippling. We can take a look at that here in just a second. I'll pull up the contract when opportunity knocks. Um, hold on. Let me grab this, John, from Richie. He says, also, uh, did we all see the Vaughn Instagram post of him jumping on his ankle? Let's let's eyeball this bad boy, Zach. Let's let's see if we uh, – let's show everybody. Have you seen I, it? I saw that. I didn't see the video, but I saw that he got, I think, a tattoo, and he got the ta- – it was like a, the Joker smile around the scar from where he had his surgery on his ankle. I thought it was pretty funny. All right, I'm looking here. Is this a? Let me see. Is this all right? Here it is. I'll show. I'll show everybody what we, what we got cooking here from the Vonster. And there you have it. This is Vaughn today. Looks like he posted this today. Kind of stomping around on that ankle. Uh, yeah, he's yeah, putting it, putting pressure on one leg at a time. Yeah, he seems to be telegraphing every, to everybody, Zach, that hey, I'm ready to go. He's also, you know, thinking about the future. You know, he's thinking about preserving his contract. He's thinking about doing everything publicly to show he has leverage still and the Broncos cannot make him restructure his deal. It's good for him. I'm glad he's recovering. It looked like he was dancing there and not doing anything football related, but still not coming back this year. I, we can just hope that he's healthy for 2021. Uh, Darab, uh, are we going to talk about Fangio's quote on the passing offense? We have talked about that. Uh, if you're referencing the one from yesterday, I can I can pull that back up. Let me let me find it real quick here, and I'll read it because we touched on it yesterday. Uh, no, actually, I think we did read it verbatim yesterday because it came up in our conversation here. Let me see. Is this? Oh no, this is today. This was yeah, this was yesterday. All right, hold up. Bear with me one second. There's Bouye. Um, here it is. He says, "Quote: Definitely, we'd like to spread the ball around as much as we can." We haven't gotten targets to the backs as much. It was nice to see a screen pass the other day, have some success. I think it comes down to most running back uh, running backs catches. Not all of them are screens, checkdowns, third and fourth read. And then here's the indictment. Zach, you had the article on it today, and we haven't gotten to many of those this year. Hmm. As I wrote in that article, you guys can check it out on mileihuddle.com. You know, it, it's it's partly on lock for not finding uh, the running backs in his third or fourth read. But again, and I, I saw a comment like, say, take a shot every time Zach mentions Pat Shermer. But again, if you have two Pro Bowl running backs, including a guy you gave $8 million a year to to catch passes, and he's not catching passes, those should be the first read sometimes. Screen passes, checkdowns, dump-offs, uh, swings, something in the flats, those are... Football 101. Everyone from Pee Wee to the pros runs those plays. So it's really embarrassing and I think very telling that an NFL head coach is surprised, like we all are, to see a screen pass in a given day in December yet of the season. And I don't want to make two. By the way, shout out to you, John. Good to see you, my friend, one of our Facebook supporters. Good to see you. Appreciate you being with us. I don't want to make too too light of it in terms of like, you know, screens, they're, they're not as easy to execute as you might think because a big part of it plays into game flow. And in other words, you you know, the, the, the best executed screens exploit the tendencies of the defense, which are 
exposed by whatever you have done up to that point in the game to, to, to expose them. And so, you know, it's not, it's easier said than done, but they're not the most complex. If we, if you want to try and compare it to the type of plays that do exist in the NFL, a screen, I would imagine Zach is probably one of the more simple ways to, to complete a pass. Obviously it's a high percentage pass. And, you know, you get back to the West coast offense as originally, you know, the brainchild of, of Bill Walsh. The whole point was, Short passes uh, are the long handoff, high percentage passes to basically nickel and dime the defense. It's just another way to gash them, and you're not seeing that simple type of play that is should be a staple in every offense being executed by Pat Shermer's crew. Guys, go back and watch the Chiefs-Broncos game on Sunday and see how often Andy Reid dials up a screen pass. Not only did Travis Kelsey or Tyreek Hill, but the running backs, everyone involved in that offense – Every single team runs these concepts, Chad. And most other teams don't have the luxury of having not one, but two Pro Bowl running backs, two former 1,000-yard rushers at your disposal. I'm not saying throw the ball to them on every down, but when we're literally holding our heads in exhilaration because we saw a screenplay or a dump off to a running back, that's an issue. All right, let me pull up Juwan James' contract, according to our friends over there at Over the Cap. 28 years old next year. So we got to look at 2020 was voided. Uh, so 2021, his base salary is 10 million. His cap number is 13. And over here on the right, let me blow it up a little so you guys can see this. You can see what the dead money and cap savings are if he were to be cut before June 1st. Next year, uh, it would be 19 million. The year after, 6 million. And then another three. So add it up, you know, it's going to be 28 million of dead money the Broncos would have to eat if they cut him. And it doesn't, it's not going to change much from pre or post June 1st. So looking at the entirety of the deal, the 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 soonest the Broncos can start wiggling out of this is really after 2022, unfortunately, Zach. That was, I think, one of the worst contracts in the Mike Sullivan era. Is that fair to say? I mean, they way overpaid for him. I know they were paying for potential and not paying for production to that point, but geez, when you invest in a guy and the and the team who's letting him walk says he's a whoopee cushion and they're laughing at the Broncos, that's red flag, big time. Amen. Amen. I mean, that's I would agree. I think it's probably the the one contract that Mike Sullivan probably wishes he had back. But we don't know at the same time how much of that was Elway, right? Strong arming it, saying, no, this is the guy. Let's just put together the deal, whatever it's going to take to get him here. Because he was a a sought after, uh, you know, he, when, when I say prized free agent, you know, he's one of the most sought after players at his position on the open market that year. Him and uh, what was the kid's name? Trent, uh, the sign with the Raiders. Brown. Thank you. Um, Those were the top two options. And, and, you know, uh, Broncos, Felt like they were upgrading the team, but yeah, maybe you should have. I just, what, what blows my mind about the Juwan James deal and the fact the whoopee cushion thing, the already the increasingly um, bad returns is the fact that you had just hired Chris Cooper, who was one of his assistant position coaches Mm. in Miami. Like you didn't get any intelligence on this cat from Chris. Like when you were on the phone negotiating with this guy's uh, uh, agent, you didn't, pick up the phone and call Chris and say, Hey, Chris, give me the 411 on Juwan James. We're looking at giving him an X deal over X amount of years. Go. And if that, if that call was made, what did Cooper say? You know, I'd love to know. There's no way to be a fly on the wall in, in turn back time, but I'd love to know. 
I just think, you know, there's also, to be fair to Cooper, I guess, there's no way to know that James would opt out or James would get hurt, but he's shown to be just, I think, very soft at, physically and emotionally and mentally. Jawan James, uh, I don't think he has it. I think he's the lemon to end all lemons, Chad. He's a lime in the NFL. All right, we had a question since it is the Mile High Mailbag. We did receive a question on Twitter uh, from Mark Newman that I want to get to here real quick. Uh, let me pull it up on the share screen function here. Uh, This is from Mark Newman on Twitter. He says, I listen to the pod daily. Would you agree the Broncos need an offensive-minded head coach to bring Locke along? I say move on from Fangio and try to get Brian Dable in the offseason. Thoughts? Zach, what would you say? I've been saying this uh, since they hired uh, Vance Joseph. Since Gary Kubiak walked away, I wanted Kyle Shanahan. I wanted an offensive guy because that's the way the league is going. Most of the successful coaches in the NFL are on the offensive side. So, yes, you you have to – if you hire a defensive guy, though, Chad, it can't be someone as stubborn as Fangio. I mean, Brian Flores is a defensive mind, but in Miami, they're playing good offensive ball. He gets involved in all three phases, though – Everyone wants the Frank Reichs. Everyone wants the McVeighs and the Shanahans and all that. And there's only so many of them out there. But yes, when or if they do replace Fangio, probably after next season, it's got to be an offensive mind. It has to. All right. Let's see what else we've got here, John. We're sitting at 43 minutes. No, we haven't gotten Terry. Um, good to see you, my, my friend. It's been a minute. And we just always love having Terry in the house up there in Canada, rocking the Smouse in the House designed. Let him hate t-shirt. Good to see you, my friend. He says, happy birthday. Thank you. Hashtag state of being. Hashtag M-H-H-U-N. Love it. Really appreciate it, my friend. Um, we've, we've gotten quite a few questions. I don't know how many you've fielded, Zach, on Twitter about Carson Wentz. Um, yeah. But I want to I talk about it after we grab Dank Buds. No, go ahead, John. Let's grab Dank Buds. Another guy that uh, we always love having him in the stream, and it's good to see you, my friend. Black Metal. I'm really curious as a connoisseur of some metal um, and, you know, more of a punk rock guy, more a hardcore, but as I do like some metal, I should say I like a lot of metal. Everyone's definitions of these different subgenres within metal kind of changes. I'm curious to know, holler at me sometime, Dank Buds, what your definition, some of the bands in black metal. Howdy, fellas. Been gone for a minute, but never miss a cast. Just wanted to say, hey, my name is Damon, by the way. Just to keep it easy, Damon. All right, cool, Damon. If you're on Twitter, make sure you reach out and connect with Zach and myself, and and then uh, you know we can keep the conversation going there. But I'd love to know the answers to some of these questions. Let me see here, Zach. Um, okay, so I don't have. I mean, here's here's a topic that was brought up. It's not exactly as a as a question here, but from Gaia University, uh, I do think Carson Wentz can be fixed, but he's way too fragile. Sam Darnold looks completely lost. I would avoid both at all costs. That actually shares a brain 100% with myself. I don't want anything to do with Wentz or Darnold. In fact, if you're going to bring in anyone in 2021, I would maybe consider Matt Stafford. That's it. Otherwise, it's just a backup that's coming in to mentor, you know, be a failsafe for Drew Locke. The only, and I'll say this again, I don't want Carson Wentz. I, I damn sure don't want Sam Darnold. No to USC quarterbacks. I don't want any reclamation projects. I don't want any guys you have to fix because, let's face it, the current Broncos coaching staff can't fix anyone. They can't fix a high schooler right now. Uh, the only veteran I'd be okay with the Broncos bringing in going that route would be Dak Prescott 
because he still has ceiling. His best ball could be ahead of him, and he is an elite quarterback, I think, at this business, proven every single season. Failing that, though, I'm still on the younger route. I'm still pining for the Broncos to either, either give Drew Locke 2021 or draft a guy, maybe in the first round, maybe in the second round, maybe in the sixth round, just more young blood at that position. That is the way to go in the NFL. you got to find your guy, develop your guy, and stick with your guy through the ups and the downs. I don't want Matt Stafford. I don't want Matt Ryan. I don't want someone else's leftovers. We went through that twice already. They had the right idea with Drew Locke. Continue on that path. Keep swinging until you connect on that home run. Yeah, that would be, again, my first My first approach is just giving Locke 2021 and then deciding next year. Like if he, and you'll know early because by that point, you would get all of OTAs, you get the preseason, you get a full NFL calendar under his belt with. Pat Shermer, ostensibly, I'm assu- this is assuming Shermer is kept. And then you decide, because I think it would it would reveal itself quite quickly within the first quarter, two quarters of the season, you'll know. Other than that, if the Broncos are of a mind, though, to, to reset or bring in a, a bona fide veteran, the only guy that I really want to even, cons- I would consider, is Matt Stafford. But it's it would just end up coming at a cost I, frankly, Zach, don't want to contemplate. Let me grab this from Isaiah on Facebook. He says, hey, guys, happy birthday, Chad. Appreciate you. He says, my friend and I are thinking about starting a Broncos podcast. Any ideas? Want to hear something amazing? Oh, and feel free to tell your friends, too. So, Kohl's, they're having a huge sale on summer stuff. And if you live for sunny days like I do, you need to check it out. I got 40% off a new patio set, Food Network grilling essentials for 20% off, and 50% off those yard games my kids won't stop talking about. Best part? I got an extra 15% off and some Kohl's cash. It almost makes being cooped up all winter worth it. Almost. Select styles 15% off for ends May 16th. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Attention Social Security and SSI recipients. If you did not receive an economic impact payment for your eligible spouse or dependents, you may need to file a 2020 tax return with the IRS and claim the recovery rebate credit. Go to ssa.gov EIP to see if you need to file a tax return and if eligible for other refundable tax credits, like the child tax credit. That's ssa.gov EIP. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Or names. Ooh, that's well, by the way, you should do it. I mean, my advice to any everybody out there is <clears throat> whatever right. you are passionate about, uh, maybe it's you know two and a half men the t- television show, or maybe it's you know, history of uh, civil war history, or it's space, you know, NASA and stuff like whatever you're passionate about, music, whatever, start a podcast on it. And just do it. Just go make it happen. Start today. Do it now. Because your passion, if you if you start something from passion and just because you're doing it for the pure joy and, and love of what you're doing, then it actually has the potential to grow into, into being a thing. Like MHH and blogging and the whole thing, for, for me, it started as something I just did for fun. It was just a passion project. And it became a thing because the universe served it up that way. It's like It's like kids who want to learn how to play guitar and start a band because they want to be a rock star. If that's your first motivation, I'm telling you right now, the universe is going to keep it from you. But if you, if you reverse that and just say, Hey, look, you know, we're going to do it because I want to do this because I love it. This is what I'm passionate about. Good things could come of it. And and the universe kind of opens up, but you got any ideas for Isaiah Zach on a podcast? 
No, Chad, I'm, I'm admiring you right now. You're on your Tony Robbins ish right now. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of something clever. I can't do it. I, I believe I pitched Mile High Insiders, though, to, uh, to uh, yeah. Luke and uh, Nick. Yeah. So I'll, uh, let me think about that for a few days. Tune in on Sunday at halftime or after the fact, and I'll, I'll have a name for you. There you go. Yeah, holler back, dude. But by the way, again, Isaiah, you should definitely do it, my friend. Um, all right, let me see here. That's a pretty what good we- one. The Horsepower Podcast. It's not bad. Yeah, there you go. Good idea there, Richie. Uh, all right, John is communicating to me. Let's grab this one real quick from George. Is OJ Mudia and Bassey the corners of the future? I see them being able to be cornerback two and slot or nickel. Look, I think OJ Mudia, you know, first of all, he's a rookie. But he's going to only continue to develop. And I think as a, as a, as a team, you should assume he's going to develop based on what you've seen this year because – even though he got into the doghouse and had some tackling issues, he's more than held his own. And if Fangio sticks around, he's going to be a great fit, continue to be – he is a great fit for Fangio. So I think O.J. Moody has a place. Bassey is another darling of his, of, of Fangio and Ed Donatel. And, by the way, Donatel is back. They are expecting yes. to have him Good news. Um, in uh, Carolina. So those are two DBs the Broncos can count on, but not necessarily a number one and a number two, right, Zach? Yeah, um, Ojemudia actually, first of all, I've been way more impressed this season than I thought I was going to be. I didn't think he was going to be a Langley or an Isaac Yadam, but I was a little concerned with his uh, his draft pedigree. But he's impressed me for the most part. Once he cleans up his game and spends some time getting more reps in the NFL, I see him a lot like A.J. Boye. I don't really see superstar cornerback one upside. I do see a very, very solid longtime starting number two cornerback. And if you get that guy in the middle rounds and the Broncos can mold him in a Fangio defense or any defense, I think it was a good pick. Bassey, never going to be an all-star, never going to be a Bryce Callahan or Chris Harris Jr. level slot guy, but great uh, depth to have, a great guy to have in the secondary. So they are fixtures, younger fixtures for that back end for years to come. You know, you never know how a college free agent or any young player for that matter is going to take shape in the league. I mean, if you would ask me after 2011 <clears throat> about Chris Harris Jr., <clears throat> excuse me, frog in my throat, I would have said, yeah, man, this kid's got some potential in, as a nickel corner. And boy, did he. But he became and blossomed into much, much more than that. And I'm not saying that's what Bassey is going to be, but you just can't rule it out. The odds say he's going to be probably a, a scheme-dependent replacement level type DB. And so if, you know, if he's got the right coach that has a vision and a perfect niche for him in the scheme, like he does right now, then he might be able to build on that and, and blossom into something else. Uh, Matthew says here, Hey, we, we touched on this yesterday, but Matthew might've not been with us. He said, did anyone hear what Shannon Sharp said about Locke? And he's not, uh, he's, he's not it. He's sorry. We need a quarterback. We did hear about that. We addressed it yesterday. Suffice to say our, our overall take on that is simply that, Shannon Sharp, his, he's a hot take artist. That's what his job is at this stage. And, you know, I don't really pay any attention to what he has to say. Could not care less what Skip Bayless, Shannon Sharp, Colin Coward, you know, Nick Wright, Adam Rank have to say. Could not care less. All right. Let me see here. The stream just did a jump on me. Bear with me for a second. Uh, oops, before, let me, let me just, so I don't forget. Christy, shout out to you. Uh, give our best to your to your daughter who's uh, you know trying to overcome her her a situation. I don't want to share anything that you might not want out there. I know you put it on Twitter stuff, but still. So give her a shout out from Chad and Zach and and some well wishes to to get her through yes. her recovery. Yes, thank you, Christy. 
All right, John, throw that up, my friend. Um, let me see here. I don't know where it went. There it is. Tom, how about a linebacker that can cover in space? Thank you for the super chat, Tom. Yeah, that would be nice. You know, it's really interesting to me, Zach, to hear Vic say on Wednesday that Alexander Johnson is a, is is good against the run. We know that. But also in coverage, I'm not sure he's good in coverage. Like, I, to me, yeah. he's just really slow, lumbering. Uh, he's not it in terms of coverage. That's something that they definitely are lacking in the linebacker core. Remember when a few weeks ago, uh, someone asked Fangio to name the Broncos potential pro bowlers. And one of his names was Graham Glasgow. I, I think enough said I, when he likes a certain player, he, he will go way over and above with praise. And uh, I think inaccurate analysis, Alexander Johnson is a great two down linebacker. He's a great emotional presence, a great leader, but he's very below average in coverage and a linebacker that can cover in space, I have not seen it yet in my time on the Broncos beat. That is going on a half decade now. I have not witnessed a true three-down inside linebacker on the Broncos. They have to get that guy sooner and not later. I think Brandon Marshall in his prime, circa 14 through 16, was the last guy that approached that in Danny T. And you came right on the heels of that. Yeah. So I, I concur. Nothing, Don nothing wants to know. Yes. Hey, Chad, Zach, did you see Pat Shermer's presser today? What are your thoughts? Don, you're going to have to be more specific. Yes, we did. I thought it was a mostly unremarkable presser. He did, of course, you know, he was he kind of had to address the Jerry Judy thing. We can read what he said here. Uh, but you'll have to be a little bit more specific, Don. Yeah. Let us know. Let me see if I can find this real quick here. If it jumps out because it's it was kind of – okay, here we go. I'll show you guys probably what, what Don is talking about here. Let me pull it up so we can all follow along real quick, and we're starting to wind down. Um, on rookie wideouts kind of struggling across the league, if it's because of the lack of preseason reps, and then tied it in specifically to Jerry Judy's kind of Twitter antics. Here's Pat Shermer, quote, well, there's no question. I think we've discussed it in this setting a bunch of times, but this year's rookies really got cheated in terms of their development. With regard to Jerry, he's out there competing. There were probably a couple other times when he could have gotten the ball the other night. I think sometimes it comes in bunches. I feel as though he wants to make an impact on the game. He's out there competing, and it makes sense to throw him the ball, and we're going to continue to do that. Unfortunately, he didn't get as many targets as maybe he would have liked, but then as we go through this, just stay consistent, keep fighting, and that'll come your way. But I think the first part of the question, it's something to be considered as far as what you know, the pandemic did for rookies. I think when you don't have the developmental piece, especially for a rookie, it's hard. That's why I think you see some of the teams that are established with older players that are probably grooving a little better this year than teams that are trying to develop the young ones as we go here. Close quote. So kind of a convenient excuse uh, uh, for Pat there, making making his own holes in the boat. Diarrhea mouth. And it doesn't even hold water what he was saying because you look around the NFL landscape, like I mentioned multiple times now, every rookie receiver is on the same level playing field as Jerry Judy. They all lost the same reps. They all had a truncated training camp and no preseason. Yet you look around, Jefferson, Ruggs, CeeDee Lamb, even T. Higgins is doing better and producing more on a weekly basis than someone like Jerry Judy, who we thought was the wide receiver one in this draft class. No matter how Pat Schumer wants to spin it, he's not doing his job to task getting Jerry Judy involved. 
Uh, Kenneth says, <clears throat> excuse me, Locke never looks at the running backs. I've seen him go through his read and then just look back to the first receiver, completely ignore the wide open running back. And that's that's why, Zach, and it's totally true, the slip from Fangio yesterday, which was inadvertent, it truly was a Freudian slip. It was an indictment on his coordinator, and it wasn't good for his quarterback either because right. to get to the running back, the point that Fangio was trying to make is it's usually the dump off. Now, sometimes there are designed routes that running backs run, outlets, screens. Sometimes they'll be split out wide and run around. But for the most part, when a running back does catch a pass, you know, it's usually because the quarterback went through his entire progression and had to throw the outlet, right? Had to throw the check down. And we're just not seeing Drew do that. And that's just another area that he really needs to improve down the stretch here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, part of this is definitely on lock for locking onto his first read and not looking uh, or scanning the field for his other reads. But you look at Melvin Gordon's numbers when he has 21 catches, Chad, in 11 games. I mean, what did you sign him for? He was the better receiving back than stone-handed Philip Lindsay, and you're not throwing him the ball. I understand going through his reads, and that's on lock, but when you're not dialing up design plays to get Philip Lindsay, arguably your most explosive player, the ball, or Melvin Gordon, arguably or you know indisputably the best pass catcher among the running backs, there is a problem there, no matter what he says. Shout out to you, Spicy Mike. We do appreciate you out there in California supporting the pod. It does mean a lot to us. Now, Joshua wants to know here, um, what are the keys to the game against the Panthers and do the Broncos? Uh, what do they need to do to get a win? Well, let's. We haven't really devoted any of our time yet on the Panthers because of all these storylines and talking points here. But let's take a look at the side-by-side -side comparison. As uh, oh, I, I I jumped it. Hold up, where to go? All right, look at it. All that red. Okay, here we go. Let me make it as big as possible for everybody. Okay. Again, green green signifies top 10, red signifies bottom 10, and if it's black, it's middle of the road, all right? So turnover differential, your Denver Broncos are literally dead last. This metric over here, 17, minus 17, that means, if you're not sure, they've given the ball away 17 more times than they've taken it away, all right? That's dead last. Meanwhile, the Panthers are, are playing efficient in terms of the turnover differential. They're plus four, which Goji. is top 10. Offense, look at all the red and black. There's not literally, there's not one green metric for the Broncos offensively. For the Panthers, though, they're up there in yards per play. They're up there in protecting the ball in terms of fumbles lost and, and giveaways, which includes interceptions. And that's it. But if you look here, Zach, red zone, they suck. They're one of the worst teams in the league in the red zone, and they're not good on third down, which which plays into the Broncos' hands defensively. Yeah, but look at the – I mean, the Broncos, it, it's so crazy because on defense, they're among – it's all green there. They're among the best in those categories. And to win on offense at this level, you got to be good on third downs to keep the chains moving. got to be good in the red zone to convert touchdowns, and the Broncos are neither. Uh, you look at those numbers, though, Chad, and, and with all the talent they have, even without Cortland Sutton, even with this weird season, that red shouldn't be there. It should be at least black. It's ugly, man. <clears throat> and, you know, look, we can sit and make excuses all we want about the offseason – and I think it's a legitimate explanation for why the Broncos have failed to launch offensively in, in 2020. But at the end of the day, you have to decide whether or not it's a viable enough excuse to, to justify this. Right. And that's why, you know, John Elway, has got a tough decision to make when this season finally comes to an end, because this ain't good. 
this is bad. And Pat Shermer was supposed to be the answer to develop Locke, to take him to the next level. And it's actually gone the other way in terms of just the metrics, right? Throw away the all 22 film and some of the things we've seen from Locke where he's shown regression at times. This is just bad. I mean, you're 25th in net yards, right? You're 18, uh, excuse me, you're 31st in points per game, 31st. You're averaging not even 19 points per game. Rushing, you're close to the top 10. Like this is the only thing, and this is why when Dalton Reisner said, hey, our identity is we're a rushing team, you know, we're the ground and pound. It's not quite there where you can say that's the identity, but it's the closest thing approximating an identity, Zach, where they're averaging 119 uh, yards per game on the ground, which is good for 12. And you know what the sad part is? It's, it's Pat Shermer, despite the Broncos, obviously, which we all knew months ago, not just weeks ago, months ago, they were a run-first team. He will dial up 50 or 45 lock passes, and yet they're still ranking among the bottom in passing. It, it's crazy how ineffective the Broncos' offense has become under Pat Shermer. And yes, I'll say this for the billionth time, Drew Locke and the Broncos' quarterbacks are complicit in that. But Chad, when it rolls uphill to the top, and when you really have to search for who is at fault here, when you have the guy leading this charade, calling the plays, designing the game plans, putting the, the players on the field, that's unacceptable, those rankings. Here's one other area that is slightly um, encouraging. The Broncos aren't giving up a lot of sacks. Drew Locke is, is still a pretty hard quarterback to sack, despite the fact that he very evidently is still struggling to read the blitz, like when the blitz comes. So this is a, a credit in part to Drew. It's a credit in part to the O-line, especially Garrett Bowles. But the fact that they've only given up 24 sacks is a modest uh, moral victory for this team. But I want to answer the question, how do you attack the Panthers? All right. Teddy Bridgewater has never been a quarterback that plays fast and loose with the ball. He protects that thing. And these metrics prove that, right? He's, there's only 10 interceptions thrown this year by the Panthers and only three lost fumbles. So if you're if you want to get to Teddy Bridgewater, though, first things first, <clears throat> you have to shut down the running game. And if the and I think the Broncos have a good chance of doing that with Shelby Harris kind of getting his legs back underneath him. <laughs> that would be the first order of the day. And Christian McCaffrey is not playing right. today. He's out. Right. Yeah, Mike Davis is the backup, but obviously you you know you go from McCaffrey to him, and it's a uh, a big downturn. But who do they have up front though, Chad? Who's protecting Bridgewater? That would be Matt Paradis. So it's the first game against him, and uh, you got to get to the quarterback. He's going to try to make plays outside the pocket. They have so much speed on offense. I'm not sure about the CV list. A couple players were on there a few days ago. I'm not sure of their status, but uh, Curtis Samuel, who I witnessed up close in Panthers training camp, DJ Moore, uh, they can do some damage, and Bridgewater can run. If they allow uh, plays to break down the field, they can get burned. Do not take this Panthers offense, even without McCaffrey, lightly. All right, so <clears throat> let's look at the defense real quick. Your Denver Broncos, top 10 in yards per play. Uh, they are the number eight passing defense, which is encouraging. And let's take another look here. Sacks, they're still top 10, 32 sacks, which, you know what, that's an achievement. Yeah, You don't have Vaughn, you don't have Casey. That's an achievement, and it's a credit to, to Fangio. It's a credit to, to Bradley Chubb. It's a credit to Malik. Yes. Shout out these guys, man. And Draymond, Demarcus, credit to them. And But really, it's third down, red zone is where the Broncos, those last three metrics, sacks, third down, and the red zone. And if you look at the Panthers' defense, this is an opportunity. If Drew Locke and Pat Shermer and Jerry Judy and Melvin Gordon, if these boys can't figure out a way to eat 
in this game, I know it's on the road, and I know it's a East Coast early game, Zach, but this is about as wide open opportunity as you get. Pick your poison. Like, you want to run the ball? Okay. These guys, this is this defense is middle of the road. All right, middle of the road. You can you can run the ball. You want to throw the ball? You know, they're bottom third. So go get them. I've been saying this for what's felt like weeks and weeks and weeks now, but this is the game I think where Locke has his coming out party. Jerry Judy has his coming out party. I wrote it on Twitter that his interceptions, Locke, have been a, a true detriment. There's no way to spin it. He has thrown at least one pick in every start since week two. That's seven straight games. Conversely, though, the Panthers have not picked off a pass in four straight games. This is not a defense that is active nor takes the ball away. They will have some shots over the top, and if they can just use the running game. I know, Pat, listen up. Use the running game to set up the pass. They can be in for a blowout victory with Locke leading the charge. I do think the Broncos win Sunday, Jen. Okay. Zach's on record. Broncos are going to win in Carolina. I'm not sure yet. I'll, I'll holler at me tomorrow in the Mile High Roundtable, and you'll 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 know. I'm not quite 100 sure yet what my gut. I'm, I haven't interpreted it quite yet. Ruben Hernandez jumping in on super chat, a name Zach that is new to us. So yeah, welcome, well, welcome, thank you. He says Hamler is our secret weapon. You know, I would say I would concur with you that he is a, in a general sense, a secret weapon, but I still haven't seen Pat Shermer figure out how to use him. Take a shot, guys. It's not just me. It's 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 literally everyone involved in the Broncos offense. When you're ignoring Noah Fan and ignoring Jerry Judy and not getting KJ Hamler the ball, not getting your running backs the ball, it's not Locke making those decisions. He's he shouldn't be a secret weapon, Chad. He was a second round draft pick. He wasn't a you know a Jag or a college free agent. He was very much hyped in college. He's has lethal Tyreek Hill level speed. He shouldn't be a secret. He should be a weapon that every team realizes and has to game plan for. Isaiah says for his <clears throat> soon-to-be podcast, Orange and Blue Sunrise, kind of a morning pod a vlog. I'm not feeling that, but Isaiah, it doesn't matter what we think, right? I don't know what your vibe is. I don't know what right. you're about. I don't know what your take on things are and kind of your personality, so to speak. So just go with your gut and um, you know throw a few ideas at the wall, put together a freaking spreadsheet of ideas and, and let your gut and your intuition kind of guide you. But I think Zach, we, we got Lawrence and I think we are out of here. Uh, he says, by the way, thank you for the super Lawrence. He says, we need linebackers to cover tight ends. We need a fullback to block for Lindsay, a better QB lock. Looks like Brock Osweiler in Houston. You had a fullback. You traded him for what? A seventh round pick in 2022. You had one of the best fullbacks in the league, but yeah, I mean, you, you got to have that three down guy. You got to cover tight ends and uh, Fangio though, Chad, as we've said uh, since last year, he doesn't prioritize that. He thinks that AJ Johnson is a true three down guy. And until that mindset changes, you're not going to see that dynamic player. Unfortunately. Shout out to Jerry, one of our Facebook supporters. He says, I thought about Isaac Yadam today and immediately thought, after, please let him be signed somewhere already. Yeah, Yadam, in case you guys missed it, he's having a really good year over in New York. And so it just looks like, you know, it's another classic case of just not the right fit. I don't know. But he's he's playing well. And I've talked to a few people in, in Giants media about Yadam just over the last week. And all the vibe and buzz on him is positive for the Giants. 
You know who's also playing well is Isaiah McKenzie in Buffalo. I mean, he's, he's turned into a real gadget player for them. He's scoring what seems like every week. And I'm not going to knock the coaching. Sometimes guys need to change the scenery, and it just re-sparks their career. So I'm happy for Yadam. Didn't work out in Denver, but I hope it works out for him in uh, the Big Apple. All right, gang. I think that's going to do it for tonight's pod. We appreciate each and every one of you for giving us some some of your time and those of you who have contributed to the conversation. Shout out to Black Knight over on Twitch. Good to see you, my friend. He says, yep, leave it to ROC to not know how to use our uh, weapons to uh, the best of his abilities. Uh, is that a Shermer criticism? Uh, uh, can't say that. Um, starting tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles, Jason Peters says, this is plenty of talent. There's plenty of talent <laughs> on this team. That. It's on the coaching. Shout out to you, Jason. Appreciate you, my friend. All right, guys, we really do got to gotta dip on out of here. So as we part ways with you, a reminder to follow the podcast on Twitter that we can keep the conversation going on Twitter at HuddleUpPod, the main account at Mile High Huddle. My partner, Zach Kelberman at Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad N. Jensen, our producer at John K. MHH. Another thing, keep the conversation going at MileHighHuddle.com. You heard us say it last night. I know some of you weren't there, so – here, I'm going to repeat it. Zach and I are kicking it at milehighhuddle.com all day long. Sure, we check Twitter. Sure, we check our email. Sure, we check Facebook. We check Instagram. But where we're living all day long is at milehighhuddle.com. We're publishing articles. We're engaging with the comments. And so many of you have gone there and are commenting. And we want your takes. We want your insights. We want your opinions on these core issues. Any article that we publish, we want to know what you think and that's why you got to go to the site itself, milehighhuddle.com. When you read the article, don't just X out. Leave a comment. We want to know what your takes are, and you'll get replies from myself. You'll get replies from Zach. It's another way to keep the conversation going. So do that. Check out huddleuppod.com. Get your swag on. Facebook supporters, if you want to support the cause, go to the page. Click the big blue button. And before you dip on out of here, don't forget to, to like this video and share it out there. Zach, we're done for the week, so have a great weekend, my brother, and I guess – Sunday, uh, halftime, we'll be coming to everybody live for the rapid action and then the gut reaction. And be sure, guys, tomorrow we'll be dropping our mile-high roundtable predictions and preview and score uh, forecast for Sunday's game. I personally think the Broncos will win this game, but stay tuned tomorrow for what Chad and the rest of the staff have to say. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Tired of lying awake, tossing and turning, just hoping for a few hours of sleep? Get the sleep you crave with the one-of-a-kind Tempur-Pedic. Only Tempur-Pedic uses proprietary temper material that continuously adapts and responds to your body to relieve pressure. So you get deep, uninterrupted sleep. All night, every night. The Tempur-Pedic Summer of Sleep starts now with all Tempur-Pedic mattresses on sale and savings up to $500 on adjustable sets. Learn more at Tempur-Pedic.com. I think what flavor of these new Dunkin' Coconut Refreshers you get says a lot about you. Really? What's it say about me? Well, you got the refreshing golden peach because you're vibrant, fun, and positive. Oh, what about me? The bold purple pomegranate means you're vibrant, fun, and positive. I take it I got this delicious pink strawberry because I'm vibrant, fun, and positive. Yeah, it's a simple system, really. Share the shine. Enjoy a medium Dunkin' Coconut Refresher for $3. Order ahead plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer excludes classic Dunkin' Refreshers.